Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Great pleasure to be with you, as always, every Saturday. Join us during the week. Fox Business Network, name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, every day. And incidentally, you can live stream us on the Internet, LarryKudlowShow.com. Plays all across the country around the world, even throughout the solar system, no question. So we're going to look at the stock market. It's not a terrific story. It's not really a terrific story. The Dow Jones was off 1,504 points. The S&P was down 226. Broad S&P 500 is off uh, 23.4% since the high of January 3rd. By the way, with about a 10% wholesale price index, you could add that on, so you're down over 30% in real terms. And um, nobody's real happy about that. And it looks like we are in a genuine bear market. How long it lasts, how to play it, I don't know. I don't know, stocks for the long run, but... The long run is going to be the long run. Anyway, let's ask our experts. We have Stephanie. We have Stephanie Link, chief investment strategist with High Tower Investors and head of investment solutions, and Joe Lavornia, who was a former chief economist at the White House National Economic Council. So, kids, welcome back. Joe Lavornia, you must be in a great mood because. The uh, GDP tracker for the Atlanta Fed has got zero in Q2. Minus 1.5 was the first quarter. Uh, you've been calling for a recession. Well, it looks I, like you're going to get one. Larry, <laughs> aren't you happy? I, uh, no, I'm very, I'm very happy that I get to spend part of my Saturday with you and Stephanie. Oh. And uh, I, I am an optimist, but I also have to call things the way I see it. And the economy is very weak. And look. I understand this notion of the Fed being behind the curve. Uh, The problem is the Fed waited way too long to move interest rates and the balance sheet. They've financialized the economy, which is another way of saying they made asset markets way too expensive given the trajectory of corporate profits. And we're in the worst of all possible worlds because it's got this high inflation, which is demand destructive. The Fed needs to go even more. And the equity market is responding negatively because of that. But, yes, unfortunately, we are going to get a recession. But the good news is with the right policies uh, starting perhaps uh, early next year or at least less bad policies, the economy and the markets will recover. We're just not there yet. You know, I want to follow through on this before I get to Steph. I had Robert Heller on, former Federal Reserve governor, uh, Reagan appointee years ago. Very, very smart guy. Uh, Joe, he's talking about a double dip. Now, what he means by that is that um, the first half of the year will be a recession, 
probably a lighter recession, easier recession, almost a technical one. But then he said, inflation is going to last. It's going to be difficult, durable. He thinks inflation by the end of this year could still be around 10%. And then that means the Fed is going to have to keep on raising rates and shrinking its uh, balance sheet for quite some time and that that will lead to a much deeper second recession probably next year. What do you think? There, uh, I'm, I'm sort of almost in the same zip code on that in the sense, Larry, that I expect inflation to moderate at some point. But more importantly, the Fed will react to a worsening labor market, a further seizing up of credit markets, which are getting significantly worse, lower stock prices. And that could embed an inflation bias more into the system. So you have what you remember at the stop, go, easing mm. and tightening of the 70s and 80s. And that would be consistent, I think, with what Rob is saying in terms of there being kind of a, a, you know, a downturn, a modest improvement, but then another down lake because the inflation becomes more ingrained. ingrained. That, that's certainly a risk. Yeah. Well, all right, Stephanie, you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yes, and I'm going to just say um, hats off to Joe, who nailed this. Um, he was much more concerned about the macro environment uh, than many of us um, well before uh, people were talking about this. So congrats to him. I'm sorry that you're right, Joe, because it really hurts at this point in terms of the what's happening uh, in the in the economy. I think this past week, we basically went from a Fed that we knew what, what they were going to have to be aggressive and thinking 50, 50, 50 in terms of basis points tightening in June, July, and then September. And now all of a sudden we have a 75, which, you know, got leaked out, which was nuts in itself. And now, now it looks like another 75. And the odds are increasing that you're going to see another 75 in the September meeting. Here's what I don't, here's what I have a hard time reconciling, though. The Fed is expecting 2023 targets of unemployment to be 3.9%. That's still very a very solid number, but they're also saying that core inflation is going to be 2.7%. I don't know how they get there. And, oh, by the way, Larry, you and I have talked about this endlessly. We're not focusing on core inflation. We're talking about inflation because we eat for a living and we eat every day and we have to, have to fill our tanks every day. So I look at absolute the overall inflation environment, and it is going to stay elevated for quite some time. Um, but the fact is that they're getting more aggressive into a slower economy, and they are going to lead us into a recession if they continue at this rate. I don't know if it's this year, though. I'm still in the camp of really, really slow growth this year, but not recession growth because the job market is still so strong. Now, I know it is starting to roll, but you still have 11.4 million jobs opening out there. Um, and that might that will come down. But I still think that will be enough to carry slower growth. But 2023, I think, you know, the the, uh, the odds of a recession have gone up quite substantially. What's the um, earnings outlook? What's the profits? Profits of the mother's milk of stocks. What does that stuff look like, Stephanie? Yeah, so uh, 8 to 10% so far for this year. Um, and maybe that's high, right, given what's happening in inflation. I think the second quarter is really going to be critical in terms of the guidance that we get. But focus on companies that have pricing power that can offset the inflation, right? So that's why energy stocks have done so well this year. That's why material stocks have done so well this year, because they're printing ca I mean, cash. Is, the free cash flow is huge. And so while they are small parts of the overall market, 
uh, they are certainly where the momentum is at. But I think, to your point, this has been a year of multiple contraction. We've gone from 21.6 times forward estimates to now 15.5 times. The mm. question is, do you believe that E, right, in the P.E.? Uh, and uh, that's what we're all kind of uh, we're, we're wondering and, and waiting on. So you're, it's, it's a very tricky environment. You have to it's a kind of a stock pickers market at this point, special situations, restructuring stories, quality, free cash flow, good balance sheets, that kind of thing. Uh, but I still think over the long term, your the S&P 500 total return is on average 10 percent per year. Right. So we're, we're mean reverting this year. But I do think we can get back to the long term trajectory of 10 percent. And that's that's pretty attractive, again, for the long term. You know, Joe, energy is outperformed for obvious reasons. But um, after listening to Joe Biden and his discussions with ExxonMobil and Chevron and the rest of that industry, Bolero, I don't know. I think he's going to bring in 20,000, 30,000 National Guard troops to Midland, Texas, and just take them over. It's like Hugo Chavez. It's going to nationalize all companies, and that'll end the yeah. stock. That'll end the stock market once and for. I mean, he he doesn't care. He doesn't know. By the way, he fell off his bicycle today, but that's a separate issue. I mean, this <laughs> this, this very tricky business, Joe Labornia. It's it's very tricky, Larry, and I'll leave it to you to wade into the politics of it. But you, you've taught me well. I'm going to be a diplomat on this one. But uh, the, I think he's he's going to he's he's going to Midland for war, not but, Ukraine, Midland. But uh, Larry, these these oil companies, they uh, you, know, you talk about long term stocks or the long term. You know, these oil companies make these long term capital investments. So when they close these wells, when they reopen it, even if it's only six twelve months later, sometimes they don't get the same efficiency they've had. And they're spending a lot on capex, but. They're spending on all the cleaner technologies, which is great. But as you know, you need to have that transition uh, to move away from the hydrocarbons. And that's going to take a long period of time. And, and they just have not made the commitment to invest in the infrastructure to pump oil, which is why, as, from a production perspective, we're down about 10, 15 percent from where we were under President Trump. The great, the great part about this story, though, is Biden wants the refiners. He wants these oil companies to increase their refining of gasoline. But his his EPA and other and his SEC won't let them get any permits. They're closing refineries, and then you got big states like California that are telling them you can't refine gasoline. You got to refine renewables. You got to refine ethanol. You got to refine all kinds of things, but gasoline. So on the one hand, he says refine more. On the other hand, his Regulations say we won't let you. We're closing down refineries. I mean, I think he's very confused about this, Stephanie Link. I mean, I think the guy, he, he's against fossil fuels. He says he's going to end fossil fuels, but he's telling the fossil fuel companies to give us more fossil fuels. I mean, I think yeah. he's got a, a logic problem here. It's a, it's very, very confusing, and also using you know the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as a as a temporary uh, stopgap is not going to do anything. Which, by the way, we actually have to rebuild that at some mm. at some point, right? At much higher prices uh, than uh, under mm. the prior administration. Here's from an investor. Here's the way I think of it. Um, from an investment point of view, um, a couple of years ago, I sat down with the CEO of Chevron, uh, Mike Worth, and uh, he is an extremely knowledgeable person. Yeah, he's terrific. And he basically, he's terrific. He really is. And he's run that company absolutely stellar. It's been a great, great uh, stock. 
in the last couple of years. But besides that, he basically said, I have been told by investors for many years to be uh, more uh, shareholder friendly. So to use the free cash flow that we get in the door and to pay it out in dividends and buybacks. And yes, in business investment, but you're right, clean energy initiatives. And so for, for him to do an about face, would be absolutely, I think, the worst decision. And I don't think it would happen because he is, has taken on an entirely new strategy. So has the entire industry, even the EMP companies, which we know they have been boom and bust over the years. They are paying out special dividends. And then on top of that, other dividends and buybacks and that sort of thing. And so they have listened to shareholders, and that's why these stocks have done as well. And by the way, even if oil prices were to fall because of, quote, unquote, demand destruction, which was what the store was on Friday, which is why the the the, uh, the sector got hit so hard this yes uh, on, on Friday, but also this, this past week. They they're basically saying that they can make money at forty dollar oil. That's their break even. Right. right. So right. they're minting money right now, and that's why the earnings are going higher, and that's why the momentum investors are in there, and that's why I think on pullbacks, that's one of the sectors that you still want to be very much involved in. Hmm. Well, I'll think about that. I mean, I'm I'm all for it, but I see Hugo Chavez coming across the border. He'd come across the southern border. He'd be an illegal immigrant, but, you know, he wants to increase nationalization. I mean, Joe Biden's got himself a logic problem. He's saying, I want you guys to refine more gasoline, all right? And then in the next sentence, he says, we're going to end fossil fuels. So... That's kind of a disincentive for longer-term investment. I don't, I don't think he gets that, but as I but, said. Well, the problem is also, if he, even if he said, okay, turn on the refiners, it takes three to five years to build a refinery, right? right? So it's going to take a long, long time, and we do still have a supply problem. We really do. All right. And the refineries take... are operating at 95% already capacity. Yes, yes that's right. Yes, that's, that's right. correct. And as I said, his EPA is closing them down. He wants more. They say less. They ought to get their act together. Anyway, Stephanie Link, chief investment strategist at Hightower Advisors. Joe Lavornia, formerly the chief economist of the White House National Economic Council. We'll be right back. We've got to talk about interest rates. Also, what's the next move for the 10-year? I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm here with Stephanie Link and Joe Lavornia. Joe Lavornia, how high are interest rates going to go? Let's start with the Fed funds rate. Um, I don't think they're going to – I mean, they're going in July, but I, there's going to be a pause sooner than people think because – uh, the economy, as I said, is, is is in recession or about ready to go into one. And I just don't like, Larry, what what I'm seeing in the credit markets, because even though historically 10-year yields are, are low at around three and a quarter, 330, mortgage rates are over 6 percent, uh, investment-grade corporate yields are well up over 5 percent. And uh, I see those yields going higher, potentially Treasury yields rallying as it flight the quality bid. So I'd say we've probably seen the highs for Treasuries because I don't think the funds rate will get to 4%. You might disagree on that. So I think we've probably seen the highs for yields, uh, but we have perhaps not seen the highs for, for corporate borrowing rates or mortgage rates. And if that's the case, then at some point we will get another down leg to stocks. You know, Stephanie, <coughs> excuse me, Milton Friedman taught us a long time ago <coughs> the phrase inflationary recession. Mm. And that, 
This demand destruction stuff, look, monetary policy works with long and variable lags. That was Friedman's point. The increase in federal spending and the increase in the money supply in 2020 and 2021, uh, particularly the money supply, that can last till 23 or 24. You can have a recession and inflation at the same time, which is the worst of all worlds and could mean much higher interest rates as the Fed uh, continues to tighten. I mean, that's your double-dip scenario, or maybe that's your big-dip scenario. Yeah, look, I mean, it's totally possible. I mean, we've been hearing about uh, high inflation and slower growth for quite some time. I mean, look, we entered into 2022 expecting to see slower growth in 2020 and 2021 just because we didn't have uh, we, we, we wouldn't have the same fiscal or monetary policy accommodation. I mean, you remember back in 2020, if you added up fiscal and monetary policy stimulus together, that was 60 percent of U.S. GDP. Back in 2008, the last quote unquote crisis, it was 5 percent. So clearly they put a ton of stuff into the system. The reason why I am thinking that we don't see a, a, a recession or if we do, it's kind of a mild one is because we still do have quite a bit of stimulus in the system. And I go back to looking at the job market. And while I am watching a lot of these technology companies starting to talk about freezes and, and, and that sort of thing, I think it's sector specific for now because they really enjoyed quite a bit of demand from the pull through demand from stay at home uh the situation so we thought 2022 was going to be slow it is going to be slow the fed is now going to be uh a lot more aggressive because inflation has been, been stubbornly high and it's going to stay stubbornly high so in that kind of scenario it's not great for stocks but we have to wait and watch to see what happens on the earnings front and i think companies are in a better position than they used to be i mean we just went through three years of massive restructurings at these companies uh and and lowering costs as best that they could. And so I think they're able to weather the storm. And I just, I don't see down profits. And if I don't see down profits and I see something like a 5 or 6% growth in earnings, mm. um, there are areas in the markets that you, in equities that you want to certainly be investing in and dollar cost average in. Well, I kind of like that. I mean, I'm partial to that point of view anyway. Uh, yeah. My pal Barry Ritholtz, I'm looking up at Real Clear Markets. He says it's too late to sell and too early to buy. So, mm-hmm. it's gonna, that's, so, so Joe, Joe Borne, I'm just going to tell you, buddy, they're going to hit 75 in July. They're going to hit 75 in September. And there's going to be more 75 because inflation is not going down for a while. I don't we're going to have it. a deep recession. We're going to have yes, a deep There's we no are. question we're, we're going to have an election. You're going to have yeah. an election year, a deep election year recession in 23, 24, Joe. That's but, what's going to here's happen. Here's the thing, though, Larry. Here, here's my pushback to both yours and Stephanie points, which are great points, and that is simply this. I don't believe that the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, has the backbone to do what you guys say he's oh, going to continue to do. Ooh, and it's he, very he, easy. he said it. But wait a he, second. He said, if we're talking cheap, though. He <laughs> Yes, that's, and Larry, most of the new Fed governors are worried about climate change and social justice, not Larry, inflation. Larry, no, no, no. Larry I'm not going to take that bait now. I'm going to finish this point. But the, uh, as Stephanie was talking, you guys are talking about you know not having a deep recession and not believing the Fed's forecast. If the Fed believes its own forecast of roughly one seven growth and inflation coming down nicely, the soft landing. Uh, they believe that. They very well may believe that right now. However, I don't believe it. And my guess is as things progress through this year and it becomes more obvious it's going to be more painful, 
the Fed backs away. So that's where I would push back against this notion he can continue to go 75 because as they break more and more things, uh, they're going pe- to panic and they're going to pause, if not reverse. Stephanie, give us the last word. Give us some hope. <laughs> give us some hope. Mm-hmm. I think you have to think long term. And I yes. think you do have to uh, invest in high quality companies, in, in large cap companies where there's visibility or better visibility, uh, where there's transparency, do not get into the mess of China and Chinese stocks and that sort of thing. I think here in the U.S. is where you want to be. Free cash flow rules the day, and there are plenty of companies that are flush with cash, and that's the bright spot in this really dark situation at this point. Dividend payers, dividend payers too, Steph? Love dividend payers. I like dividend growth versus high dividends, right, because it's obviously, you know, that's it kind of makes sense. But yeah, no, dividend is really been doing Great. quite well this year. So keep Stephanie on Link and Joe Lavornia. Thanks, kids. Thank you. On the other side of the break, we're going to do some money and politics with Liz Peak and Steve Moore. What about Joe Manchin? My heart could be broken if Joe buys into this tax and spend deal. My heart is broken. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back after this. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking money and politics with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore, vice president and chief economist of FreedomWorks, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, author of Govzilla. Uh, Liz Peek, I just want to begin with the fact that Joe Biden fell off his bicycle. I know. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) In Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Now, I think he fell off his bike about a year and a half ago, but this was a real falling off the bike. Yeah, this is not good. And I have to say, I was looking to see. I couldn't see if he had a helmet on. I presume he did because, oh, my gosh, the last thing we need is for the president to fall on his head. Uh, It it is not. It it is an awful sight, and it's been viewed by hundreds of thousands of people. It really doesn't help the narrative that Joe Biden is vigorous and ready for another four years. Well, Steve, he says his foot got stuck in the pedal, and he, he did bounce back, and he did some glad handing. So I think he's okay. So Kamala Harris has not yet been sworn in as president. <laughs> well, you know, and look, the Democrats have, you know, uh, by the way, Liz was talking about whether he can go another four years. I mean, I think there's real concern about whether he can go for another one year, frankly. But I think the Democrats have a real, real problem. I mean, they have uh, Biden, who is, you know, somewhat incapacitated, and then Kamala Harris, I mean, no one in the country wants her to be president. Even the Democrats don't want her to be president. So they, there's a real conundrum. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I assume that they're going to try to get Kamala out as the vice president, uh, maybe make her the head of the United Nations or something like that, and, you know, and, then, and then you know bring somebody in that's competent. But here's the big issue right now, I think, Larry, is – you know, would you hire any of these people for a real job? <laughs> Seriously, would you would you hire Jennifer Granholm? Would you hire Pete Buttigieg? Would you hire, uh, you know, Kamala Harris to do any job? There, there is a real competence. Putting aside ideology, there's a real competence deficit in this administration. You know, he That's can me. fire her. He can he can fire her. I mean, Jerry Ford fired Nelson Rockefeller, who was his vice president. 
fired him. Put in Bob Dole back in 1976, 75-76. So but but, could, they, but you fired. guys are missing the point here. They refuse to acknowledge there's a problem. Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I actually I'm serious. You know, I was reading the stats on the latest month's uh, number of people coming across our border being apprehended at the border included 15 people on the terror watch list. Uh, mm. You know, fentanyl deaths are off the charts. I mean, doesn't anybody care about this? Well, that is supposed to be Kamala Harris's responsibility. When was the last time we heard anything about her involvement with the border? I just think I think they're going to limp through the next two and a half years or whatever it is. And, and Joe Biden, bless his heart, is going to continue about to talk about running again. And the Democrats are going to go crazy because they don't know how to fix it. Well, he, well you, you know, know uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, it's good. I wanted to ask. Uh, Liz, a question, um, if I may, Larry, because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's the big chatter in Washington. This woman, Cheryl Sh- was it Sh- uh, Shamberg or, or Samberg, the Cheryl one who Shamberg. wrote, uh, who wrote uh, Lean In and uh, was with Facebook. I mean, there's a real buzz about her being the presidential nominee for the Democrats. And I just wonder what you think about that. Well, um, she is certainly a competent person, or at least that's her reputation. But she's also invest- under investigation internally. Uh, in the company for having misused company funds and so forth for her own, I think it was her wedding reception or something like that. So I'm not sure. And and I think I think a lot of women uh, kind of pushed back about her book when it came out, sort of noting that, yeah, it was pretty easy for Sheryl Sandberg, who is a very highly ranked corporate executive with all the perks that that comes with, to have a kid, have it all, et cetera, it's not so easy for most women who are working at much lower mm-hmm. salaries and with much right. less help. So I, I don't know, uh, Steve, that's a really interesting – I hadn't heard that. I think it's a really interesting idea, and I have to say looking at how thin the bench is for Democrats, <laughs> right. you know, they're right. looking everywhere, and un- including under the sofa cushion. So, I, you know, <laughs> it's right. interesting. I was no. just going to say that – after he fell off his bike, he didn't have any scratches or anything on his legs. Um, no scratches. So. He's okay. He's oh. going to be around for a while. But he can fire Kamala Harris. But Steve Forbes, even though he didn't, he wasn't hurt falling off the bike, he did tell the Associated Press that the idea that federal spending causes inflation is a bizarre idea. Now, that's worse yeah. than falling off your bike. Well, you know, I think I mentioned to you guys last week that I did this hearing on Tuesday where the Democrats took their victory lap on the economy. And their, <laughs> their Democratic witness was this woman. I forget her name. She's with the Macroeconomic Forecasting or a group like that. And uh, uh, chairman or the ranking Republican is uh, Smith. Uh, what's his first name? Uh, uh, Jason. Jason. Uh, Jason Smith. And he just he I mean, it was he just tore into her and said, look, you were the one who a year ago. And I'm not just making fun of her, but but also the two dozen or so Nobel Prize winners who said there will be no inflationary effect from yeah. all of the spending. And these people need to really be held to task for these ridiculous forecasts that said, how dare anyone say that, you know, this is going to cause inflation? And it has. We have raging inflation. And then they wonder why nobody, you know, trusts, quote, the experts, because almost all of the experts on the left 
got this wrong, but it, it was a sad commentary that the only Democrat witness, that their star witness was someone who had the inflation numbers really, really wrong. And look, I think Biden, I, look, I think if the economy is in a recession right now, I think it could be really deep. I know Art Lapper, I talked to him yesterday, he, he thinks it could be really bad. I mean, the financing capital is just dried up right mm. now you've got small businesses now with their i talked to people at the nfib they said small business confidence has just fallen as low as it's been since the you know the, the financial crisis in 2008 so it just feels like the economy's hit a brick wall liz um joe biden also told the ap that more and more people have mental health problems and my thought on this is that they have mental health problems because of his policies. I know we're all depressed. Yes, we're depressed. We're stressed. We're stressed out, and we have high anxiety because of what he's done. Exactly. I mean, really, who's, who's shocked by that? Uh, you know, actually, I I saw that. Um, I read his speech or his transcript, whatever. And he says Americans are really, really down. I think that was the word he used. Yeah. And it immediately I went back to Jimmy Carter's Melez speech. Yeah. Um, because there is such a good parallel here. Uh, really, if you read Jimmy Carter's speech, there was nothing particularly offensive in it, except he kind of just noticed, <laughs> he noted maybe and noticed that the American people were not happy. And they weren't happy because <laughs> right. the economy wasn't growing, because inflation was horrible. I thought this was incredibly a re- repeat of that. There was nothing terrible about saying Americans are down, but ha, huh, guess what, Joe? They're down because you have taken a thriving country, which was doing so well, even in the midst of a pandemic, which is kind of unbelievable, and basically destroyed everything that was in place. And look, that's, this isn't a mystery. That's why the approval ratings are so terrible, because everyone blames Joe Biden and and you know consequently the the Democrats big spending it's not a mystery why we're in trouble but he just refuses to acknowledge it. He's uh, holding firm at about a twenty five percent approval rating on the economy. Twenty five. Steve Moore. Steve Moore. People are stressed out because of high gas prices, high food prices, no baby food on the shelves. I mean, that's why their their retirement savings are getting mauled in the stock market. I mean, you know, I'd have, I, I'm stressed out. I'd have high anxiety. I'd have mental health problems. He doesn't seem to connect the dots. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting next to my wife right now, and she gave me, she does our finances, and she told me yesterday, I'm not going to tell you the number, but we're not rich. We've lost a lot of money in the last three months. And, and uh, you know, any idea of, uh, you know, taking that expensive vacation or buying a second home, all that's, you know, got to be put aside. So people are feeling incredible financial stress right now. And when Joe Biden, Larry, how is it that he keeps saying we have records amounts of savings? We've yeah. lost $10 trillion of savings. Yeah. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. This has been the biggest evac- evaporation of American savings and retirement accounts, you know, since 2008. And, yeah. and, and he's acting as if people are flush with cash. How is it that he keeps saying federal spending doesn't cause inflation? How is it that he keeps saying that his American inflation rate is lower than the rest of the world's inflation rate? It's, I mean, it's all, how does I know. he say these things? 
I, I don't know, but it's, it, it isn't like people aren't calling him out on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know people are doing that. And, and on, I mean, honestly, the, the parade of lies, just statistical lies, yeah. and to, to Steve's point, this idea that your, your savings are in good shape, what on earth is he talking about? Consumer debt is going down, he says. Yeah, no, right. consumer debt is going up. Everything he says is black is white and white is black. It, it is extremely alarming because it suggests – but anyway, back to spending. The reason he can't say that, Larry, is because he wants to spend more. That yes, is their answer yes, to everything. And how can you say, oh, my gosh, inflation's terrible and we did it because we spent too much money. But here, here's another $3 trillion we'd like to put out there just to make things better. That All is right, the problem. Not just that, Liz, but also, you know, Larry, you sent me that note this morning. About, no, no, let's not. Know, we're we're going to take a break, and then we're going to okay. go to that. We're going to get into that, yeah. The, yeah, the question is, is Joe Manchin going to break my heart? That's the thing. Joe Manchin, break my heart. I don't think, I mean, I'll be completely stressed out with high anxiety and have to have mental health (laughs) uh, uh, consultations. We're here with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, and Steve Moore from FreedomWorks and uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. I'm Kudlow. Joe Manchin just may break my heart. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 